discussing from Srimad Bhagavatam, continuing our study of Rishkano chapter 3, chapters about avatar tattva. And we've learned that Krishna is the source of all the avatars. Mm-hmm. And we've learned that the avatars of Krishna are all Satchananda, Vigra, forms of eternity, knowledge, and bliss. And this is brought out by Sutta Goswami's contrasting the yogi's meditation on a universal form, a form kind of imagined in the mind that sees different aspects of nature and of the, the cosmos as parts of the body, like the trees, the hairs on his body, and so forth. Apparently there's a gross and a subtle kind of universal vishvarupa that they meditate upon, and uh, Sutta Goswami said that, by contrast, this form, this, this subtle and the gross form is material, and the avatar's forms are not, they're transcendental. And to explain these subtle and gross forms of the Lord, he drew upon the fact that a jiva has a subtle and a gross form that covers his real identity, psychic dimension and the physical dimension. So there are two aspects to our material sense of self. And he told us that we have to come out from under those to really understand the truth about the mystery of Bhagawan's descent, all the wonderful things we hear that are almost unbelievable. We have to enter into the world that is uh, that transcends belief, the land in which uh, the word impossible doesn't exist, which he told us was really the land of the soul itself. Hmm? He said, when you come to this platform of self-realization, hmm, understanding the difference, realizing the difference between the body and the mind and oneself, then you become like an avatar. You become worshipable in the world. Hmm? You become godlike. You have become the ubermensch, the superman. Hmm? You have done the impossible. Hmm? And uh, indeed, if we study about that, we got a brief kind of overview very qu- quickly here in Bhagavatam of the basic idea of self-realization given in the Bhagavatam, or in the Bhagavad Gita. And um, this basic idea is, it's almost unbelievable that a person could do, could be like that, to be peaceful, to not react in the ways that people naturally do to circumstances, situations. If they walk among the rich, they become puffed up. They lose the common touch. And they walk amongst uh, uh, the commoners, they lose their virtue that might be found in royalty and, and so forth. How to do both and not... So we read Kipling's poem, which was nice, that um, that uh, illustrated this um, idea of Bhagavad Gita. It's a poem called "If." Very nice poem. If you can do this, if you can do that, then you will conquer the whole world. You alone, everything in the world, the world and everything that's in it. We we referenced sarvam apivam pritivim sasyashat vachovegam manasakrotavegam the first verse of Upadesha Amrita if you control the urge to speak the urge to talk to taste 
the mind's demands, the, the urge of the belly and the genital. And who can do that? This is the impossible. Then you can conquer the whole world. Hmm? The whole world every, and everything in it becomes yours. your disciple, your shisha, your follower. You become godlike. Hmm? So this is mission impossible. So if we, But it's possible. Hmm? It's possible by the grace of the Lord. And this is the beginning then of what we call Krishna consciousness. It goes way beyond that. Then you enter into the world of where impossible doesn't exist and all the possibilities of consciousness come to bear. Consciousness now is like kind of like ice frozen over. Hmm? We have to turn it into water to melt the heart and what all the possibilities of water are compared to the possibilities you have if you have ice. Hmm? Your possibilities will increase considerably if you can melt the ice. You can drink it. You can bathe with it. You can make electricity from it. Hmm? So many things. You can grow plants with it. Not with ice. You can't do those things. <laughs> so we're frozen over, atrophied. Hmm? <clears throat> Under the influence of the subtle and gross bodily conception of self, indeed people even philosophize, there is no self, there is no soul. Hmm? Where's the empiric data? Hmm? Of course, we're talking about something that that can't be seen by material eyes. It can't be measured. Hmm? The Atma. So all these things are given in the Gita. So he's brought us kind of like that to the Gita. I call it the civilization of the spiritual intellect. That uh, if we have in place, we can enter into the civilization of the soul itself, the Bhagavatam. This is all in preface here to a, a beautiful glorification of the Bhagavatam with which this chapter ends. So... Moving in that direction, he says, Sutta Goswami says, The Lord whose activities are always spotless is the master of the six senses. He's fully omnipotent with six opulences. He creates the manifest universe, maintains them, annihilates them without being the least affected. He is within every living being, is always independent. Nachasyakas chin nupunena dhatur abaiti jantu Kumanisha Uti Namani Rupani Mano Pachobihi Santanvato Narta Charjami Bhagya. So he talked about coming to the platform of self realization in the context of bhakti in a general sense. Now he's contrasting that, how that path can bring one to self-realization and more God-realization. He says, there are others then, foolish people. Um, basically, he kind of deprecates the path of yoga and jnana in comparison to bhakti. Natchasyakasjin nipunena datur. Nipunena, nipuna. Nipuna means like genius. It means uh, very dexterous. So the jnani is a genius, and the yogi is very dexterous. He can twist and turn so many ways. Huh? So these disciplines, the jnani discipline, the yoga discipline, he says, this, this will not um, help us to understand the avatar comprehensively, the avatar concept. In other words, we heard that 
the avatars come from Bhagavan through the Purusha, through the Paramatma. Hmm? So to understand Bhagavan and Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, of all the avatars, he is the avatari, as this chapter is brought out, to understand him. Hmm? These paths will not be useful. Hmm? He gives an example. He says that those with the poor fund of knowledge hmm, cannot know the transcendental nature of the forms, names, and activities of the Lord, who is in his lila, distributes things of knowledge about his names, his forms, his pastimes, um, like a dramatic actor. Nor can these people, on these other paths, express such things, not in their speculations, nor in their words. So, again, yoga and jnana cannot capture Bhagwan. Hmm? Brahman, Paramatma, and that with the help of some bhakti. Hmm? If the jnani has some bhakti factored into his path, he can understand Brahman. If the yogi has some bhakti factored into his yoga, he can get uh, the success, Paramatma realization. Hmm? But not they cannot understand Bhagwan fully. Hmm? The example of the dr- of drama. Uh, the idea here, Vishnu Shakti Thakur gives the idea that if someone watches a drama but they don't understand, he talks about drama of of Indian times gone by. Like you see, for example, um, like like let's take Bharat Natyam. There's a language in Bharat Natyam. There's a hand movement that means lotus, like this, right? Or the moon. You know, they go like that. Garangi Priyas really an expert at that, she teaches that. So they have their different mudras and sign language. And so, so if someone's not familiar with that, hmm, they think, what a boring thing, what's going on here? You know, they can't understand. So they're dancing and, make, and telling the Leela through these different signs. And Bhagwan, you know, they, they, go, they cross their feet, Bhagwan, you know, da, 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 da. and during the full moon, like a lotus, you know, they tell the whole Leela and they dance at that same time. It's beautiful. So, if someone doesn't know what's going on, then they, then they, they can't enter into it, something like that. So, the Gyanis, they don't have, the yogis, they don't have saridam, sarudayam, a sympathetic heart hmm, for bhakti. Hmm. Their paths are very different. They tend, for that matter, to harden the heart. The corollary of gyan is renunciation. So, unless renunciation is coming in the context of bhakti, it's really about getting away from something. So it tends to harden the heart. When we do renunciation in bhakti, how does it happen? We love Krishna and we find out Krishna doesn't like this, so we give it up. Hmm? So, and they're, they're, they're self-exerting kind of paths. They require a lot of self-exertion rather than a drawing down of grace, make that be the exertion, the effort, make an effort to get grace. And so they, they, they don't tend to soften the heart in the same way that bhakti does. So one whose heart has been softened, having had faith in bhakti created, awakened through sadhusanga, then that person can understand Bhagwan. And the Gandhis and the yogis, therefore, they sometimes philosophize that names and forms, the Gandhis in particular, are illusory. 
when you have a philosophy that names and forms are illusory and that's the be-all and end-all of it, where are you going to fit in Bhagavan's form, names, qualities, pastimes, and so forth? You, you have to tend to somehow, somehow philosophize an illusory uh, nature to them. We find this, for example, in Shankar's philosophy of Gautamarg, and Bhagwan becomes just a manifestation of Sattvaguna. It's temporary. Hmm. And we also say the names and forms of this world are temporary, but we don't stop there. Hmm. We say that you you have an individual form yourself, for that matter, made out of consciousness, constitutive consciousness, and so does Bhagwan, and so on. So we 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 the path of bhakti equips people by awakening sympathetic heart and giving them the, the proper type of knowledge, we call it sambandha jnana, hmm? uh, then to understand the properly the descent of Bhagavan. <clears throat> so he's, now he wants, to, he's going to go further and come back to bhakti. See what he says here. Saveda dhatu padavim parasya duranta viryasya ratanga Ratanga Pane Yomayaya Santatatayanu Ritya Pajeta Tatpalasaroja Gandham. So he says, These are the people that can't understand Bhagavan properly, which is the subject of this chapter. But those who render unreserved, uninterrupted, favorable service to the bhajeta tatpadasarojagantam to the to the scent of the lotus feet of of bhagwan hmm, who carries the the wheel it's a it's a, like the chakra or it's a reference to krishna picking up the wheel of um Arjun's chariot and coming after Bhishma, for example. Hmm? Uh, those people hmm, can know the origin of the universe in its full glory and transcendence. So it's a nice contrast because on the one side you've got this word nipunin, which means to be very dexterous and very genius and so forth to in, in terms of knowing. What does the devotee do? <laughs> it just smells the, the aroma uh, from the, the scent from the lotus feet of Bhagwan, and that's perfect. His life becomes perfect. He's attracted to the scent. He says, "Oh, his feet smell good," and then he goes back to God. <laughs> 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 he's uh, he's not uh, um, cutting himself off from his senses. He's using his senses in this case, the sense of smell, smell the feet. And you know, ordinarily, you don't want to smell anybody's feet. Whoa. <laughs> So there's a, this is the point is raised like this for a purpose. Uh, you don't, you know, you want people's feet are dirty, especially in a culture in times gone by, an agrarian culture where people walk barefooted. Then the feet would always be washed before coming in the house, before going in the temple. You can go now to temples hundreds of years old in India, in Vrindavan, for example. There's a pump outside, hand pump. It's for washing your feet to go in. They didn't have shoes, and, and, uh, and some people wouldn't walk with shoes on the dom. Because they consider it sacred and so forth. So, anyway, the feet—you don't want to smell somebody's feet, but here they just smell the feet of Krishna, which smells 
sweet like a lotus flower. Hmm? He's sweet from top to bottom. Hmm? Everything about him. You can apply all of your senses to him rather than cutting them off. Hmm? And smell the sweetest thing, taste the sweetest, hear the sweetest, and so forth. In this way, very easily understand Bhagwan, who is full of leela, pastimes, activities, so on and so forth, which requires senses is the implication. Hmm? So we want to form with senses, with spiritual senses, to taste the Lord, to smell the Lord, to hear the Lord, and so forth. We think we hear, we think we smell, we think we see, but these things actually get in the way of our seeing. Consciousness has the capacity to do all of these things is the point. If not, how is it doing it through these senses? Hmm? So inherently there's a power to smell. In other words, consciousness is is an, is a, is a, is a, is a is a is a unit of experiencing potential, and and reality is made up of smells and tastes and 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 sounds and so forth. So, it 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 has its own un, uncovered by the senses. It can taste it fully. It can smell it fully. We think we smell the world, but the nose is getting in the way of smelling. The eyes are getting in the way of seeing. We're only partially seeing. The soul is the seer, the smeller, the taster, and so forth. Hmm? So, <clears throat> therefore, preem is described like that. All the senses become overwhelmed by the smell, the taste, the sound of the Lord. He has a sound. He has a, an aroma, hmm? a taste, and so forth. <coughs> hmm? So, Bhakti brings this all out. Gives one a spiritual form, constitutive of consciousness, to participate fully in the lila, in ananda, in love. Love requires senses, spiritual senses. Here's the idea. <clears throat> so, he says, only by making such inquiries, he now stops for a moment to glorify the sages, only by making such inquiries, inquiries in this world, as you have, the implication is, can one be successful and perfectly cognizant? For such inquiries invoke transcendental ecstasies, ecstatic love under the personality of Godhead, who is the proprietor of all the universes, and they guarantee cent percent immunity from the dreadful repetition of birth and death. So he speaks to the sages here, and um, they're not quite yet devotees. We know that Su Sutta Goswami is a devotee. He heard from Sukadev. He's, he's carrying the Bhagavatam in his heart now. Hmm? The sages made inquiries. He has elevated the, the quality, the nature of their inquiry to be an inquiry about Krishna by his very presence. And so he's spoken in general about Krishna, and now he's going to get um, specific and take them to the actual text that he heard, the talk that he heard from Sukadev, the Srimad Bhagavatam. And um, so he refers them to them to them here. Ateha Danya Bhagavanta Itam. Prabhupada translates Bhagavanta. You might think it means devotees. But he he's translated it as perfectly cognizant. The implication here is that they were knowledgeable. They are seekers. 
there are said to be four kinds of people that come to devotional service. Those coming out of distress, those out of want of material improvement, those seeking for truth, and those in knowledge. Those in knowledge means those in knowledge of the self, like Sugadev. Still they come to bhakti. Seekers, the example of seekers is the sages at Naimisharanya. They were seekers. Hmm? They had some knowledge, they were seeking, but they weren't yet devotees. Sutta Goswami is turning them into devotees. So it comes out here. He glorifies their questions. He says, by this kind of questioning, hmm? the implication is people like me come hmm? and give answers that takes you to bhakti and gives you the capacity then to uh, understand Bhagwan, to realize Bhagwan. Hmm? So, thinking like that here, Sutta Goswami, reflecting on their questions in their position, asking him, where does his mind go? Hmm? He goes to the Bhagavatam and the setting at, at, uh, on the bank of the Ganges where Raj Parikshit came to fast until death and all inquisitive people from all over came. He had questions about what to do at the time of death and so forth. And so many people were offering answers there. And then Sukadev came on the scene and he answered all their questions, Sukadev's and Pariksit Maharaj's questions. And so his mind's going to that setting. He's going to speak, glorify the Bhagavatam in the context of answering one of their questions and then introducing the history of the Bhagavatam, starting to tell the story of the Bhagavatam, um, how it descends and so forth, and uh, history of its being spoken and how he heard it and how he's passing this on. So a very beautiful verse he says, now directly glorifying the Bhagavatam. He speaks exactly four verses. At which directly glorify the Bhagavatam. Five verses. This is the first one. What is it? Idam Bhagavatam Nama Purana Brahma Samitam Uttama Sloka Charitam Chakara Bhagavan Rishi Nishaya Shayalukasya Danyam Swastiyanam Hat. So he says, Idam, this Bhagavatam Nama. Idam Bhagavatam Nama. This book I'm going to speak to you about, it is named the Bhagavatam. Idam Bhagavatam Nama. It's named Bhagavatam. Bhagavata. It's the Bhagavata Purana. We have this Purana, that Purana. Vishnu Purana, the the um, Shiva Purana, the Kurma Purana, Braha Purana, uh, so many Puranas. This is the Bhagavat Purana. Hmm? It uh, it means like the Bhagwan Purana. That these are all the other Puranas are all um, dependent upon something like that. The avatars are dependent upon Swayam Bhagwan. Hmm? So its name is Bhagavat, the Bhagavat Purana. Hmm? Bhagavat means Bhagwan. And um, 
It may also mean his devotees, so the two are inseparable. Bhagwan and the devotees. These two make one. They're one and different at the same time. You can't have one without the other. It's about the love of the devotees, which they are constituted of, for the object of love. Bhagwan, Sri Krishna. So, Bhagwat Purana. And uh, Uttama Shloka Charitam, he says. Uttama Shloka Charitam. Its name is the Bhagavad Purana and it speaks about in, ut- in beautiful poetry. Uttam Shloka means supreme poetry. Charit. The, 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 kind of the, the character of Bhagavan in beautiful poetry. There's another name for Krishna. It's Uttam Shloka. Bhagavatam is a poetic work. Kavya. And the Gita, by contrast, is, is, is different. As I said before, Gita is the civilization of intelligence, Bhagavatam is the civilization of the soul. So there's a heart language in Bhagavatam and there's a head language in the Gita. And if we understand the Bhagavatam properly, that poetry has math underneath it. That's why the Gita prefaces the Bhagavatam. That's why here he's given a brief preface to talking about the Bhagavatam, glorifying it, the book that we will enter into now by way of talking about basic things that we find in the Gita, self-realization and so forth. We have to come to that. If you come to self-realization, you'll be able to understand the Bhagavatam. It's the postgraduate study, as Prabhupada used to say. To understand the Bhagavatam, you have to become a Bhagavata. This is the task. So, if we can speak the poetry of Bhagavatam, a lot of people will speak the poetry of Bhagavatam, but we find they don't know the math that underlies the Bhagavatam. Just like in poetry, like in, like in art, same idea. In art, then there's math on, underneath on the canvas. You make a plan and you make so many dots, and isn't it? There's math to music also. People think he just sits down and plays, wow. He's got the talent, you know, but he had to go learn the notes, how to read music, and all kind of things like that. So there's math that underlies this art, music, drama. You know, somebody's a great actor, they've got to go study and so forth. So, so someone, someone, a lot of people will speak the poetry of the Bhagavatam. People go, oh, that's so nice. But we find out from their character they don't know the math. Better thing to do is speak the poetry of the Bhagavatam and draw down from it its math. Hmm? So that from the discussion of the Leelas, for example, in the tenth canto, we draw practical insights that have application to us in our practicing life. Because unless we practice, hmm, we'll never enter into the poetic land of Srimad Bhagavatam. So some people are expert at speaking the Bhagavatam and uh, poetically and so forth, but they don't have the underlying math. Sukadev, he, he had the math down. Hmm? So he heard the Bhagavatam once and that was it. Hmm? So this is a sign of realization. If we can speak Bhagavatam, for example, on Lila Kata and draw down the math for the sake of the people, then you take the Gita. So Gita is the math, right? 
Mm. Then that person will be able to go to the Gita and bring out the poetry. Hmm? Where the math is pointed to. This is what our Acharyas have done. Therefore they found Rasaraj Krishna in Gita. Nobody else is finding them. Only Parthasarathi is there. Hmm? <laughs> but our Acharyas are finding here is Krishna must be there. Shwayam Bhagavan must be there. He's at Kurukshetra. He was there before. Hmm? What happened then? So on and so forth. They're able to draw. They, so they speak from the Gita, draw out the poetry that it's pointing to, that it leads to. Go to the Bhagavatam, bring down the math that underlies it, that people may have, get some practical um, understanding from the Leela that will help them in their practice such that they can become a Bhagavata hmm? and have real access then to understanding. As we've already heard, you've got to, you've got to become Mr. Impossible. You've got to come to become the Superman, the Ubermensch, to enter into the Bhagavatam. Hmm? So nice, nice ideas here. This, and, and so Bhagavatam, this is one of the things we do. He says, Chakara Bhagavan Rishi, it's written by the, by the Rishi, uh, who's Bhagavan himself, Vyas, the Shakti Vesha avatar, about himself, Uttama Sloka Charita, the character of, the, of, the, of he who is praised by transcendental poetry. Hmm? Oh, it's such a nice thing. It's meant for the benefit, the ultimate nishreyas, nishreyasai, the, 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 the ultimate good of all the people. It's completely successful and blissful and all perfect in all ways. This is how he first, the first thing he says about the Bhagavatam. He's falling over about how extraordinary this text is. Now, it's an old text, we'll think. What relevance will it have today? But if we, as we've discussed before, oh, it has so much relevance. Hmm? We need to draw that out. So one of our sadhanas, our practices, and one of the principal ones is Bhagavad Shravan. After Rupa Goswami gave 64 different kinds of practice, he also spoke of five potent types of practice, very potent. Hmm? And those were what? That uh, sadhu sangha nam kirtan bhagavat shravan to have sadhu sangha to do nam kirtan to hear Srimad bhagavatam hmm? to live in a holy place to do deity worship hmm? these are five five potent so ba- hearing bhagavatam that's one of them this is one of our sadhanas hmm? it's not just for somebody well we should we should hear it of course from somebody who understands it. And then in that context, we should study the Bhagavatam. Prabhupada just to say, I've written, you know, 60 books and they're not for sitting on the shelves, they're just selling to other people. But devotees should read them. In Los Angeles, many years ago, we had the first spontaneous Christmas marathon for selling books. I was out selling books and it was around Christmas time and people had, as it was getting closer to Christmas, two or three days before Christmas, people had a more of a giving spirit and they were staying out shopping longer, and the stores were staying open longer. So I thought, I should stay here instead of coming back for the RT, because there's more service here. And, and so I came back, how come you were late? I said, well, this is what happened. So I told Ramasura, I said, well, we should tell the other devotees. There was only a few of us that would go out, so we all stayed out longer. And then, and then for three days we did that, we sold so many books, and, and we, we sent other devotees out, and so we wrote to Prabhupada about it. You know, and so many books we sold, and he was so happy, and he said, that's very nice, uh, especially, you know, he said, very nice that you're selling so many books, I don't believe this has happened in the history of religious books before, and, you know, but, but always he said, please remember that uh, 
First thing is to save yourself. Hmm? First read letter that was written to Prabhupada about me and my service selling books. It is very nice. He wrote back that Triparidas is selling so many books. Please tell him always to read the books also. Hmm? So, not that I wasn't, but this is the point. Outreach is really for our own purification. This is, uh, we're out there finding the people that are destined to come to bhakti because of their sukriti, and we think, I converted them. <laughs> Just saying. I had such powerful preaching. Uh, uh, Paramatma is bringing them here. Krishna, it, it, what does Chaitanya Charitamrita say? Brahmanda Brahmite Kon Bhagavan Jeev Guru Krishna Prasadi Bhai Bhakti Latubij. Krishna is in the heart, he brings us to the Guru. Then the Guru bring, takes hold and brings us to Krishna. Hmm? We're thinking, I had such a good strategy. I mean, we should try to make a strategy, you know, that's true, but there's something beyond all of that. And this is for our own purification. Hmm? For our own purification, we try, should try to make a strategy and do it right and so on and so hmm. forth. But the background of it is that people are coming because they have some sukriti, they have some susceptibility to it. And we are to tender to them and help them and increase that sukriti hmm? by giving them engagement. So, we should uh, we shouldn't just sell the book. Of course, we should know the book. We should study the book. Probably just say, I have sixty books written, sixty books. They're not just to sit on the shelf. They're to be read and be studied for devotees. They should sit down like scientists, he said, and, and study the books and what the, what's the implication and so forth. And then when you have questions here in school and somebody says, "How can we believe in a soul? There's no empirical evidence for a soul," and, and you go, "I don't know. I better ask Gurmarsh about that." I don't know. Where does it say in the Bhagavatam? There's, where's the empirical evidence? Then you realize empirical evidence isn't everything. Some things transcend pure empirical evidence. And we have good arguments for those arguments and, and so on and so forth. What is Atma? It is immeasurable. So you want to measure it. Empirical evidence means you want to measure it. It's immeasurable. Can you measure red? When you experience something, oh, it's a beautiful red rose. Can you measure that? This is consciousness. It's a subjective element, and we are of that nature, we're of that, we're of, we're of that stuff, how can we be measured? Hmm? And grasped entirely, so such is the Atma, this is, anyway, so many arguments can be made, we've made many of them here in various classes and so forth, hmm? but the point I'm making here, there, to go there, to realize Atma and so forth, this is one of the disciplines, Bhagavat Shravan, to hear the Bhagavatam. It says in Bhagavatam that, that nishta, the stage of nishta, when faith is fixed and firm, is, it constitutes of a regular hearing of the Bhagavatam. Nasta prayeshu abhadreshu nityam bhagavata sevaya. Bhagavata uttama shloke bhaktir bhavati naistiki. And we learn from Chaitanya Charitamrita that there are two kinds of Bhagavatams. The book Bhagavat and the person Bhagavat. And we should hear the book Bhagavat from the person Bhagavat. It's not just a reading exercise. Hmm? We should hear, we should read too, and then we should question about what we read. And I'm always asking you know, people, any questions like on the phone call, I'm hoping somebody read a book, so they got a question from the book. Hmm? And they're actually you know, going through the material where a lot of the questions are answered. <laughs> and some aren't, of course, and then we, 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 we try to answer those. So it's Bhagavad Shravan, it's very important. It's part of our sadhana. It's not an academic exercise to read Bhagavatam. We should read this Bhagavatam until we weep. We weep. And the pages then become blurred. Hmm? 
When the pages, pages come blurred, you cannot read the ink, that's when you can write your own page. And that will be the 18,001 sloka <laughs> of Srimad Bhagavatam. Hmm? That's the idea. You know, to leave, let the pages part and make room for your heart. Hmm? Yeah? It's not erasing anything. No. When we, when Prabhupada was once in Bhagavatam class, I told the story, his, his assistant forgot his book, his Bhagavatam to, to read the verse from. So one devotee in the audience had a, his copy and he offered it to Prabhupada. He was thinking, well, Prabhupada's going to take my Bhagavatam, it's mine, he's going to read it, give class from that. Wow, I want to hang on to that Bhagavatam. And he had been reading it carefully and he'd been underlining, you know how you take with a highlighter and you're highlighting certain sections and Prabhupada looks at him and says why he has crossed this out and this he has crossed out what is this and here he has crossed out something else also this is not how we no no, no Prabhupada you don't understand this. this is a highlighter he's saying that's important and then Prabhupada goes oh I, I see like that so, <laughs> so we should read like that with a highlighter and I said that Eventually, the whole book will become red. Hmm? Everything is important. Certain things will stand out to us at certain points. Think, wow, that's important. That's an important verse. Highlight that. Later, the other ones will come. The whole thing will come. Hmm? Yeah. And then we'll read, cry, as I say, and the whole thing will go blurry, and then we'll take the highlight and we'll write it in. Hmm? Our own experience, in other words. This is this is the land, the civilization of the soul. So. Heart, heart, we approach it with the heart like this, not academically, but hearing from a sadhu under his or her guidance, studying the Bhagavatam. Try to this help us to be attentive in our chanting, which is everything. Hmm? We, Nam is everything. We study the Bhagavatam. We understand the philosophy behind the chanting, underlying the chanting, why I'm chanting, what, where I'm going with this, and so forth. And I get cornered also from other thoughts that might take me somewhere else. And I think, well, I just read that in the Bhagavatam. That doesn't work. I can't go there. You know? and, the, and, the, and it's, Bhagavatam is a very heavy bashing of the intellect, and it uses it, intellect. It's, Bhagavatam is the um, commentary on Vedanta Sutra. Vedanta Sutra is called Nyaya Shastra. It's the, Nyaya means logic. It's the logic. It shows the logic of the Upanishads. Upanishads are so many sounds. and, and it sh- Vedanta Sutra is Vyasa's attempt to show how all these sounds of the Upanishads, they're consistent. They're making a consistent point. And so he makes these aphorisms, these sutras, and he comments this way on the, on the, on the Upanishads. And he shows, sutra means a thread also, so he ties a thread through all the sounds in the Upanishads and, and, and shows it that it all makes sense, it's all making one point. Hmm? Do bhakti. Hmm? Do bhagwan. Anabhati shabda, anabhati shabda. By the sound you will go. By the name, hmm? it ends like this. Because of the sound, going there, one will never return. So, anyway, it's nice. Uh, this is a message of Bhagavatam, ultimately. It ends with the last verse. So, do Sankirtan. Hmm? This is um, what it's all about. So, to do Nam, to do Kirtan, to, 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 to do our japa and so forth, well to understand why we're doing it, to, to hear the logic then. There's a logic here that makes it difficult for you to, you know, do something else. 
you keep hearing it and you realize if I'm going to not I'm going to if I'm going to avoid this I have to be a hypocrite do I have any integrity am I going to do I know what is being said is right am I going to ignore it how will I live with myself Bhagavatam makes it difficult for us to live with our material self it's painful but at the same time it's offering us another self how beautiful you could be if you could follow this so this is powerful hmm? attentive chanting to pay attention to what the chanting is about the logic behind it there's a, there's a math again that underlies that nam hmm? which is the premadhan of Goloka Goloka premadhan Hari nam sankirtan the wealth of prem comes in the form of the name through Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. In Bhagavad is a whole Nam theology, if you will. So it's powerful. It's a commentary on the sutras. The sutras are the logic of the Upanishads. So it's a powerful intellectual, spiritual force here. Hmm? I guess you could say there's some math in there, too. Hmm? We like to think, if we're going to think like that, well, in the first nine cantos are the math, and the tenth canto is the poetry then. Just Krishna Leela. Something like that. Maybe thought of in that way also. Therefore, hmm? probably just emphasize, get the first nine cantos down. All the ashrai tattva. Hmm? Ashrita tattva. All the sheltered tattvas. Everything that's... Bhagavatam consists of ten subjects, nine of which are sheltered subjects, one of which is the shelter-giving Krishna gives shelter to all the avatars, to the monbantars, to the to um, yeah, he's the shelter of the creation, subsequent creation. These are all subjects of the Bhagavatam, sarga, visarga, and so forth. All this is then you understand all those things. Think, oh, man, that's a big thing. Then you get to the tenth canon. You got this guy playing the flute. Then that's all what he's about. Wow! So when he's dancing with those maidens, you think. There's more to him than what meets the eye here. This is this is extraordinary. So, study of the Bhagavatam. This is this is helpless. Very important. Hmm? So we should read and read and read and cry. Something like that. Hmm? Die to live. Right. You have to die. So you have to, first you'll cry. Oh my God, this is painful. I, ouch. You know, and it, it hurts. So then you cry like that. That's the first kind of crying. This is painful. Oh my God. I have to do this. I, it's true. I can understand it. Okay, I've got to surrender here. Hmm? But eventually then he'll come. we we'll cry at, at how beautiful is Bhagwan, How kind is he? How, how uh, just charming. I'm actually living my life for beauty and charm. And I met beauty and charm himself. Personified. Krishna. Oh, the sweetness. We hear in Gopal Champu sometimes Jiva Goswami is bringing out the sweetness of Krishna, sweetness of love of Krishna, so endearing, so charming. He's bringing out in his poetry, Gopal Champu, that we're reading in the morning. This is what Bhagavatam is about. It's really the book, book, book of love. So it should be studied. This should we 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 need to practice, and we need to practice long and hard. And 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 steadily, our practice is unsteady. It's interrupted by other ideas, by other desires and thoughts. Study the Bhagavatam. That's why we come together like this. It'll corner us, make it difficult to pursue those desires hmm? that distract us. 
where we learn to pursue them, pursue them in a way that doesn't distract us, that, that, that draws us in more. Hmm? That's the generosity of Bhagavatam. Hmm? Very pow- the generosity of bhakti, the power of bhakti, really. Hmm? It doesn't, ha- doesn't require that you be pure first before taking up bhakti. Just like sometimes people say, well, I don't know if I'm ready for initiation. I'm not, I'm not pure enough. I'm not qualified yet. I want to be first. I want to purify myself. Then I'll take initiation. But there is no purish charge for Vaishnava diksha or for nam. Hmm? Nam goes to the impure hearts everywhere. That that that's his generosity. That's his nature. Hmm? If the Vaishnava says you, 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 you offers offers nam, we say we just take it. it is, we think, how will I be qualified? Bhakti is not about being qualified. Bhakti is about understanding our lack of qualification and understanding the, the kindness, the mercy of Bhagwan, by which it's possible. If we think too much, I'm going to qualify myself, then we're making some kind of self-effort in a sense, rather than on understanding, oh, we we're successful by Bhagwan's grace. Not that we shouldn't make effort to get his grace. We should, to do things right, to practice properly, and so on and so forth. This basic idea should be there. That the, the initiation is the Bhagwan's extending his hand to us and he's generous. Hmm. That generosity should embarrass us to be better. Hmm. I may say, well, you have no qualification, therefore I'll initiate you. Then you get to, oh my God, I've got to be good. i got to do this right. You know, so They're so kind. The Vaishnavas are so kind. How can I continue any, my bad habits anymore? Hmm. This is... This is the way we become qualified. This is the way we become humble like this. We make ourselves humble? No. Hmm? In, in the face of the kindness of Bhagwan, we see our own shortcomings, our own hard-heartedness, especially Mahaprabhu, Mahabharata Nayavatar, hmm? most magnanimous dispensation. So we, we do the thing, we make the effort, we qualify ourselves in a sense by, the, by really embracing Bhakti, her generosity, and and understanding her properly. Hmm? There's nothing we can do to be qual- when we get this. We understand there's nothing I can do to be qualified for this. It's just the way Krishna is. He's kind. He's merciful. He's graceful. I'm so small and insignificant, but he brought me in, hmm? made me sit at the dinner table with him, and taste Radharani's cooking. Hmm? You hear Gopakumar when he in Bhagavad Bhagavatamrita when he enters into Goloka. And he's just, Krishna takes him by the hand, come to my house for, for lunch, for dinner. And he's just thinking, wow, was, by grace he's arrived there. So, well, we make effort then to study Bhagavatam. What's that? What does that mean? To hear about Krishna. We hear how extraordinary he is, how powerful he is. We hear the Aishvarya. Oh, goodness, he's very extraordinary. That will humble us to some extent. And then we hear the Madhurya, his pastimes. And we develop some passion for him. Hmm? A passion to be with Krishna. So, Uttama Shloka Charitam Chakara Bhagavan Nishina Shayashaya Loka Syatanyam Sastyayana Mahat. He says, this is Srimad uh, Bhagavatam. He says, what is it? Dham Bhagavatam Puranam Brahma Samitam. Brahma Samitam. Samitam. Later on it said Veda Samitam, Srimad Bhagavatam. 
It's saying that this is Samhita means like equal. It's equal to Brahma, means equal equal to spirit, equal to God. This this book, this is why he said this is this is the verse that says, Now the book Avatar. All the avatars, not all of them, but a list of them have been given, and the topic's been covered, and now he's closing with answering the question of the sages in the context of the discussion of avatars, and we're finding here is Puranam Brahma Samitam. It's a Purana that's equal to, to Bhagwan, equal to, to, it's fully spiritual. The other Puranas are said to be influenced by Sattvagun, Rajagun, Tamagun in different ways for different types of people who are under those different influences. Bhagavatam is Srimad Bhagavatam Amalam Puranam. Amala, Amala Purana. Hmm? Amal Purana means, Purana means a Purana, hmm? history, and Amala means without any spot. Spot means modes of nature. It's spotless. It is like him. It is him in book form. Looks like paper and ink to me, you might think. Hmm? But if you read it, study it, then you think you'll think differently. Hmm? It will take you and take you to the land where, as I said, impossible doesn't exist. That word doesn't exist. So this is an extraordinary book, as the book itself says. Hmm? Then he will give some history. What is the time? So we'll hear the history, I guess, in our next discussion. Are there any questions? And there are people who live like this. I've seen it. They sit in a temple. They read Srimad Bhagavatam. Arti comes, they go to Arti. They come back, they read Srimad Bhagavatam, chant Japa. Arti comes, they go to Arti. They spend the whole day like that. little prasad when, it, when Bhagavan makes it available. Hmm? So they're, they're getting something out of there. There's a taste there to be had. If we really apply ourselves sincerely from the heart and use our head, here's how you use your head to soften your heart. Study Sumat Bhagavatam. It'll give your intelligence a good bashing and let you know that intellect is, 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 is nothing. If you've got it and the burden of it, okay, we can satisfy it here. We can consume it so that your heart, your soul can come out. It's very nice. Use the intelligence to see its own shortcomings. Yes? Does, <coughs> talking about taste, does taste for reading the Bhagavatam and things like Japa come with Ruchi or can you, can you develop a taste before that? Yeah, surely some taste will come. Some days you think, I got a taste. You'll become blissful. Your mouth will move automatically. Like Hare Krishna. <laughs> Krishna, Krishna. Oh. Then it'll go away. What happened? What happened? Hmm? So, if you really make effort, do your japa nicely, hear nicely in the class of Srimad Bhagavatam, pay attention. Study the Bhagavatam itself, read it, absorb yourself like that. Some taste will definitely come. It will come and go. It'll, it will not be reliable. It will come and go. When your practice becomes steady, then after that, then it will come in a reliable way. And it will always be there. 
before that, as I said, it's a little bit like medicine. You take the medicine, sometimes days you feel good. Some days you still feel bad. Hmm? Then the medicine, you feel good, and the medicine turns into food. The example is given of sugarcane. If you have jaundice, sugarcane tastes bitter, but it's the cure for jaundice. So it tastes a little bitter, and, and as you get cured, it starts to taste good. And when you're fully cured, it's just so sweet. It's always sweet. But because you had jaundice, you, didn't, you couldn't experience that. So the jaundice is our ignorance. So gradually, uh, taste will come. Mm. Otherwise, how will we stay around? Krishna will give us, this is not just intellectually we're being held here. But we get some little experience and we go, wow, I'm in the right place. This is good. So try for that. Mm. Try for that. That's the yogic side of it. You, know, you get the mind absorbed. Hmm? Chant, hear, go to Arctic, hmm? read Krishna's garden, listen to those beats saying, pluck me, offer me. Yeah. Carrots will say, what about me, offer me. Then you know you're getting somewhere. Hmm? <laughs> Anything else? Yes. Someone was talking about uh, poetry and math. Does it ever go the other way around? It sounds like you were saying that poetry always comes from that, and that you can't. But does it go like the other way around ever that you study poetry and then that things math? Do you get taste from the higher stuff? Do you get the math down from the higher stuff without doing the you know, groundwork first. Is that possible? I mean, I know our teaching normally doesn't happen that way. It's possible theoretically. Mm -hmm. uh, Prabhupada was, when he wrote the Krishna book, and first he said, oh, you, you know, it's, I want to give a taste of what's to come. A little taste to get him going. You know, something like that. So we all become attracted to the idea, in a sense, of Krishna, Leela, and so forth. And then we get down to the work of Realizing the difference between the body and the soul, and so on. Everybody's attracted at first to the idea. Then we say, "Okay, you know, now you're joined. Are you here? Okay, get to work now. <laughs> All right, don't eat as much. You know, <laughs> I thought it was <laughs> get busy. <laughs> well, how's that story of the guy who?" You know, I told a joke before. He he um, met the devil, and uh, the devil offered him some nice stuff, and he was, seemed like a real nice guy. And he was chatting with this fellow for a while, and he says, you know, you got a really bad rap, you know? You seem like a nice enough guy. He says, yeah, I am, but I, I know, I get a bad rap. He says, why don't you come on down, down to hell and visit me sometime? He says, well, I don't know about that. He says, no, come on down. I tell you what, come on down, spend a little time, you can leave any time you want. And check it out. It's really different than what they say up here. Hmm? I got a lot of bad propaganda. That's why I show up every now and then, you know, talk to people. So he says, all right, let's try it out. You seem nice to me. So he went to, down to hell, and there he was, sitting by the poolside on a hammock. He'd have girls bringing nice cold drinks and, and fanning them and stuff. He didn't saw it down there, you know. And so... <laughs> Satan comes by and says, Man, you're right. They gave you a bad rap. This is cool down here. I mean, this is really cool. I mean, uh, and, and Satan says, Well, you know, you don't have to leave. He said, You know, 
I think I might stay on. He said, well, you just sign the book right here that you're going to stay on. You know? He says, I'm going to do that. He says, you're great. You're cool. You know? He signs the book. devil goes away, and these guys come like this, and they drag him off. You know, and They're torturing him and stuff like that. And then he says, what's going on? Where's the call Satan? There's a mistake. There's got to be a mistake here. You know? So Satan walks by. He says, Satan, what happened? He said, what happened to the pool? Where, you know, where's the drinks and everything? He says, well, that's for, just for the visitors. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like that here. It's <laughs> 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 just for the visitors. Now you got to get... Got to get serious now and do the math. We give you a little poetry and a sweet taste, you know, and sounds good. And uh, you want to sign on? Okay, get to work. <laughs> Sacrifice, surrender. Rantara Srimad Bhagavatam Gita.